0: By
1: For the lead, Gilgis Alexander got it! The Thunder lead by one. <laughs> and we thought the Thunder had run out of surprises after the last season. What is up, Thunder fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Taylor. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of Boomtown Hoops. And the Thunder. <laughs> As I was laughing to begin the podcast because it's just, it really is just kind of unbelievable and uh, and pretty crazy. The Thunder end up splitting the, I guess, the quote-unquote baseball style series where you, you play a team um, almost in like a mini bubble. Um, you, you go to their home arena or they come to your home arena. Um, sometimes it's a back-to-back like we'll see actually coming up with the Thunder. Uh, but in this case, there was a game in between when they played Houston on Monday and got absolutely destroyed um, and then played them again tonight. And they were the ones doing the destroying. They end up winning 104-87, to 87, snapping Houston's six-game win streak. Now, you guys probably hear it, and gals probably hear that score and probably think, wow, Shea must have had 30 or so points, probably flurried with a, a, a triple-double. Um, Lou probably shot the ball really well from three, probably was in the 20s. Uh, the Vets, Hill and Horford, probably had a good game, um, you know, probably good bench production. And nope, Nope. Well, I mean, they did have good bench production, but it wasn't those guys. That was not the reason the Thunder ended up beating the red-hot Houston Rockets. Um, For starters, Shea was out with knee soreness and stiffness. If you guys recall, if you guys got to watch the game on Monday, the first game against Houston, Shea fell there in the first half, um, kind of leaned awkwardly on his knee, was limping for a couple possessions, um, came out of the game, or Dignall Dignall took him out of the game, um, but he... Seemed fine. He told coach, No, I want to go back in. He almost immediately came back in the game and finished the game. Uh, looked fine uh, after that, but apparently, after the game ended, and this is common with injuries like these, especially if you guys have ever played sports or um, even just have twisted your ankle in general, you know, it's going to swell up and, and feel a lot worse <laughs> the next day, typically, or later that night, typically, than right after it happens. Um, so, Dagnall says that it's nothing really serious, especially since he came back, at him being Shea, came back in the game um, on Monday. They just need to, the Thunder. Just need to see how Shea responds to the treatment. However, he made a couple other interesting comments afterwards in his pregame uh, interview that he did with the press. He said that they are playing the long game with Shea, and he didn't want to put a timetable on Shea. So I think the question becomes, oh man, I just got a notification that my Golden Hurricanes lost uh, by two points against SMU. Man, that's tough. Okay, anyways, back to the Thunder. So. Is this like due to Presty wanting to hold out Shay as long as possible because of tanking? You know, I, I saw that flirt, you know floating around on Twitter. Is it a more serious injury that the they aren't wanting to disc- the Thunder aren't wanting to disclose, or was Dignall maybe just being a little professional? You know, not wanting to put a timetable, get people's expectations, and then something happens and Shea doesn't come back for like a week. Um, I really don't think it's any of that because let's be completely honest, we saw we've seen the type of player Shea is we've seen what he's developed into we've seen him take this leadership role on uh, early on in this season this kind of becoming his team even the vets and Horford and Hill kind of let him take that leadership role um, obviously by still providing a a strong veteran voice but with all that being said you know Shea wanted to come back in the game and he was allowed to, to finish the game if he had a very serious knee injury or if Presley told him, hey, do you mind mind taking a a week or so off just so we can lose a couple games? Shea's not going to put up with that, just like Russell Westbrook wouldn't put up with that. Even if they have different personalities, uh, it's kind of the same situation there. So all of that to say, I think they are just playing it safe with Shea, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him maybe the second game against Minnesota, maybe they'll play it. A save and be able to talk him out of playing those two games just make sure he's completely healthy and then after that minnesota game i believe they play the lakers off the top of my head uh you see him later on next week so we will see uh, but all this is i don't think it was too serious now lou lou dort left early you I know mean, we thought this might be a big lou, lou game i even tweeted before the game um from the account we saw fred van fleet of the toronto raptors score a career high or a, a, i guess career high yes but um a, a nba record and points for an undrafted player and so i was like oh man it's gonna be lose night he's gonna come out here and play great well unfortunately after uh, very early in the second quarter basically his first time out of the game um he went back to the locker room we didn't hear anything until halftime when the thunder came out and said that he was diagnosed with knee soreness that seems uh, that you know the fact that it was just knee soreness hopefully that means it was nothing serious and they were just holding him out um being you know careful with him as well but uh, Dagnall came out after the game, said that we wouldn't know anything until probably tomorrow morning, um, sometime tomorrow. So we will see. Hopefully it's nothing serious with Lou. But all of that to say, that left OKC with nine after active players due to the injuries. You know, George Hill obviously still isn't playing uh, with his thumb injury. And also the G League, sending Poku down to the, the G League with the two two-way players who honestly in a game like tonight, um, if the G League bubble hadn't have started, we probably would have seen a little more Josh Hall and, uh, and Brown like we have Throughout the early part in the season when it's come to blowout games and and things of that nature. So, now, if you guys listen to some of my post games I've done in the past, I I typically break games down to positives and negatives, but there was a lot of fun things to break down from tonight's game, and tonight's game was honestly just kind of a shocker. Um, You know, there was a lot of fun things that happened, a lot of uh, surprises. So, I'm just going to start with team themes that stuck out to me, uh, things that I thought the team did really well as a whole, things that I think they can actually um, work and continue to build off of and we can continue to see throughout the season, not just one-game things. And then from there, uh, I'm going to do the same but with individual players and and talk about some individual players that really uh, stood out to me tonight as well as I know many other Thunder fans on Thunder Twitter and all of you guys and gals who were watching. So the first major theme that I want to touch on is the Thunder defense because let's be completely honest, the Thunder defense got absolutely torched. Now, something I did not mention, I guess, and I should go ahead and mention that now, uh, John Wall did not play tonight, and and so obviously that's, that's going to hurt Houston a little bit, but still, I mean, the Thunder are basically playing nine players. Uh, Lou Dort just played the first quarter, and uh, <laughs> you wouldn't think that John Wall would make that much of a difference. Houston just was not hitting their shots, and there's a good reason for that. I think the Thunder did have a big, uh, a big part in that, especially early on. So you know, after shooting a franchise record twenty eight of fifty two from three on Monday, the Rockets shot only twelve forty six from three tonight. Now, if the th- if this was a three game quote unquote baseball series, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, if there was a a, game, a a day off in between um, tonight's game and then they played a game on like Friday, um, I don't think that the Rockets probably shoot as poorly from three as they did tonight and I, for damn sure, don't think <laughs> that they're going to shoot as well as they did on Monday night. It's probably going to fall back towards the mean. We kind of have seen that with Lou Dorton, his three-point shot, although it's still, the, the mean is much better than it was last season. Anyways, all of that to say, um, I do think, though, a large part of the reason that the, the Rockets uh, continue to shoot so poorly throughout the night was because of the defense that the Thunder played uh, on them throughout the entire game, but particularly early on in the game. They really focused on that. Um, they, they really kind of shook the Rockets and, and made them lose confidence and they didn't let them get going and didn't let them start hot like they did. Um, and specifically, I think we saw guys like, you know, Hamadou Diallo in that starting lineup, um, Lou Dort, when he was in there in the first quarter, Darius Baisley, um, Tao, Tao played some really, uh, great one-on-one defense I thought throughout the entire game, but particularly early on in the first quarter, uh, we saw these guys coming out, closing out on the defenders on the three-point line, making, getting hands up, making sure they couldn't get shots off. That turn, that, that caused the, uh, the the ball handlers, turned them inside. Uh, they, they were driving to the rim where they were met by none other than Darius Baisley and now Horford, particularly Baisley, I thought, who um, really started out really well uh, protecting the rim, had two blocks early on in the first quarter, <laughs> was looking great. And that really deterred um, a lot of, the Houston Rockets players from from shooting those outside shots. And, and honestly, you know, they, they really struggled around the rim early on. They it really set the tone early. And I thought that was super impressive. That's something that uh, I know, I, I think I heard you know, Horford was kind of harping on in yesterday's practice. Dignal in his post-game interview uh, mentioned to the media that that's something they'd really focus on. He loved the intensity that they bring, that, that they brought, and some of the themes uh, that they worked on in practice yesterday, how that carried over to today. So the defense was fantastic. Just some some fun stats. The Rockets had scored hundred plus points in eight plus games, or or, sorry, in eight games before tonight. Uh, The Thunder ended that. Again, Rockets had eighty seven points. Tonight's eighty seven points were Houston's lowest of the season, as well as the lowest point total for a Thunder opponent uh, for the entire season so far. So just some stellar defense. Houston had 48 eight points after one quarter on Monday, as you guys heard Justin and Jacob talk about. They only had 58 points heading into the fourth quarter. And then another pretty crazy stat, they forced 21 turnovers. Now, the Thunder also had 20 turnover turnovers of their own. While that kind of happened there towards the latter part of the second half when it was pretty obvious they had the game uh, won and they were playing some different lineups. But all of that to say, I, I think a common theme that I saw from tonight was, you know, when you're throwing all these kind of random players together, you don't have your main guys and Shea and, you know, Blue and um, Hill. The length and versatility of these players that St. Presley has, you know, likes to take fires on, has taken fires on like Kendrick Williams and Isaiah Roby. we kind of saw what that versatility can do. I think that really threw off the Houston Rockets um, with because of that length and versatility, you know, getting hands and passing lanes and being able to contend shots and, and even cover um, on an off-ball defense, right? The, the the extra pass when these guys are driving to the rim, trying to create for others, um, that pass to, to a, an open three-point shooter in the corner wasn't there tonight because of that. And um, you know that athleticism, that length, that versatility, it really threw this this Rockets team off. Uh, only 19 points off turnovers tonight, but that was the next point I wanted to get into. Sorry, I kind of uh, that kind of threw me off, but I thought they that the Thunder pushed the pace and kept the Rockets on their heels all night, and that was really impressive. Again, not a lot of points off turnovers necessarily, particularly when you compare it to I think the Rockets had this is off the top of my head. But I think they had 21 points off turnovers. But all that to say, uh, again, just goes back to that versatility and length, where, or in athleticism, where you have a guy like Kamadu Diallo who can rip a rebound and you know just immediately start pushing it down the court, kind of like we saw Russell Westbrook do. You have a guy like Darius um, who can you know is a, a really good rebounder, uh, especially for his age and his his strength, I guess, his build. Um, he's able to go up and grab rebounds, and then instantly he's able to put the ball on the floor. But not only that, when you have players that are not only able to do that, but then you have other versatile players around them who can run the floor with those guys. So you already have three guys down the court. As soon as this guy gets a rebound, he's taken at you know immediately putting the ball on the floor. As soon as he gets that rebound, and he has two or three options already down the court that he can pass to, and you have uh, you have numbers in transition. I think that was a another huge point that I saw tonight. Even if it didn't lead to a ton of points um, off turnovers or you know, off rebounds. I think what we saw is um, it it, it led to some really good offensive sets, and um, overall, it was just something that really stood out to me and just really fun to watch. Only 14 fouls tonight, I guess that kind of goes back to the defense, um, which is interesting because the Thunder are actually averaging, per NBA stats, 18 fouls per game. Uh, Only foul 14 times tonight, Just just again kind of shows that sound defense, and they out-rebounded Houston with big guys like Christian Wood, and I, I know he's not necessarily a fantastic rebounder per se, but he's... (laughs) <laughs> He's definitely uh, had some some big monster rebounding nights. Um, and then Boogie Cousins being your, the backup center. Um, the Thunder still out-rebounded, Houston 59-49. Again, that length and that athleticism. And then uh, the Breakfast Club. i got to mention the Breakfast Club. If you guys m- missed that reference, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been Kendrick Williams. But anyways, there was a group of bench players who uh, were working out together. Uh, right there before the beginning of the season, uh, or I guess during the beginning of the season. They weren't getting a ton of playing time, but they would go in a little early. They'd practice together. And so they're seeing these guys get success, like Roby and Kendrick Williams. And they're rooting for each other. They're having a ton of fun. And they put the work in. They're seeing it pay off. And they kind of call themselves the breakfast club. So that was pretty cool as well. And then also the offensive ball movement. The cutting, the off-ball, the off-ball movement, the cutting, the passes to find the cutters, making the extra passes. Um, just briefly had to touch on that which was just fantastic. The Thunder were playing the right way. I, I shouldn't even say the right way. Um, that's kind of misleading. But we're just playing a great brand of basketball, and a lot of credit credit to Dagnall for that, and these players for buying into that. Um, especially those coming off the bench and and kind of getting their number called tonight with injuries and uh, and players out and etc. So. Before we get into some Twitter questions, you know, there's, those were some fun team themes, but there were some players who really shined tonight. Honestly, I I don't think there was a player who necessarily played bad, but these are the guys who really stood out to me tonight. And the first one, you might be scratching your head when I say Teo. First start without SGA, he had six points, three rebounds, four assists, six steals. Pretty wild. And then one crazy, ridiculous block on Depot. I think, uh, I think Jacob... Or co-host Jacob said so that was the most athletic play that we've seen Teo make so far uh, in his young career with OKC. I think he was right. It was pretty special. He he jumps straight up with both hands, blocks Depot, is able to basically strip the ball, like grab the ball in midair, it brings it down, is able to start, you know, uh, put the ball on the floor and and push the pace and and you know I think it ended up in points in transition and so. Just a crazy, uh, incredible block. I'm not doing it nearly enough justice. You guys need to go find that highlight. Maybe I'll post it on the—actually, our friends over at Boomtown, uh, go to their Twitter account. They'll have it for you guys. But um, I, that's the other thing. I think he played some really good defense as well. He was playing really sound one-on-one defense, especially for his size. Again, he just has such a great IQ. Now, one thing that stood out, um, he was t- 2 of 12 from the floor. I mean, he shot the ball 12 times, which is kind of surprising. I knew he was missing, but 2 of 12. Um, had three turnovers on some bad passes. Just, again, every once in a while, you'll see him kind of drive into the lane, try and kick out to somebody who he, a shooter who he thinks is there, and he tends to be quite a bit off. It ends up going out of bounds and and ends up as a turnover. But what I love about Teo is something I keep saying over and over, and you guys are probably tired of me saying it, but I love his poise. Um, And he he, he keeps shooting. It doesn't matter if he's 2 of 12. If he's open from the three-point line, he's going to shoot that ball again. Um, he, he doesn't seem discouraged. He's going to go down. If, if he misses another three, he's 2 of 13. He's going to go on the def- go back on the other end of the floor, play just as hard as he would have if he would have hit that shot um, the prior possession. And that's why I love about Tao. Just a great IQ great facilitator I've loved what he's been doing with that first unit and I think it was really wise to keep him um, with the team compared to sending him back down to the G League you know again we've mentioned this but he's kind of already kind of had some of that experience due to playing overseas playing professionally at a very young age um, even if he was hold back some. I think that experience has, is already starting to pay dividends, um, and especially in a, a night like tonight without SGA, without you know, Dort, without Hill. Um, seeing Teo as that lead guy has been really impressive, even if he's struggling some offensively, still making some rookie mistakes. I mean, think about when he cleans that up in um, the next season, the season after. It's going to be really impressive, and I just I can't wait to continue to watch his growth and kind of see what he, he molds into. Um, is he a starting point guard long-term alongside Shea for this team? Is he, like, a six-man-of-the-year, you know, I don't want to say Dennis Schroeder type. They're different point guards, but a, a six-man-of-the-year point guard candidate. Or is he just a solid, you know, forever backup point guard that has 15-plus years in the league? I don't know. And that's what's so fascinating about Teo, and I can't wait to watch it. Uh, now, I guess three more guys. These next two I'll try and touch on quickly before I get into the man of the hour, the man tonight. But uh, Darius Baisley, somebody I want to touch on, fourth double-double of the season. He's continuing to, continuing to play better and better. Again, I mentioned his rim protection it was really fantastic tonight, um, especially early on. Like I said, he really was a huge part in setting the tone early, and I think it was, it was he was a large reason why the Rockets got off to such a slow start, which continued and carried through the rest of the entirety of the game. Um, he was 6-13 from the field, which is awesome, um, and, and he had some really nice step backs. I love seeing uh, Baisley starting to show his skill a little more. I will say after Monday's game where we actually saw Baisley at run point with Shea and Tao and all those guys, because they're starting Shea and Tao, but seeing Baisley um, in one of those lineups run point, I thought we'd see a little more of that tonight, especially once Lou went down. We didn't see a ton of it, not to say that there wasn't some crazy yeah. lineups again tonight that Dignot played, and Baisley did bring the ball down a couple times, but we didn't see it. Quite as much, but all of that to say, um, again, those step backs, some of those moves to the rim, his spin moves. um, He really is its really fun to watch and and very skilled, and I can't wait to watch that continue to improve. Again, he runs the floor really well. I thought he did a great job with that tonight, and even distributing, uh, even with the ball in his hands, but also off ball. Uh, And I think the biggest thing is he just seems to have found some confidence back, and that's really big for him after kind of going through a slump there. Hopefully it's not a roller coaster of a season like that for Baze. Hopefully he can just find some consistency here. But one thing I do want to mention, it seems like he's been starting really hot and really well these past couple of games uh, ever since he's kind of broken out of that slump. But then he kind of has trouble getting back going again, um, coming back into the game later in the in the second half um, when Dignall puts him back in. And tonight, don't get me wrong, I mean, other guys had it going. That that bench unit was playing great, um, was an extremely balanced scoring effort. So he didn't really need to put up shots or create the, create offense for the team. But it's still something to monitor, because I noticed that the other night as well, uh, a game before that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if Baisley can find consistency um, after having a hot half. Can he come out of, ha- of halftime and put together a full game? That's something I'm really excited to monitor and watch with Bais. Now, the birthday boy, Isaiah Roby. 13 points, 6-9 from the field. Had some super impressive moves down low, especially in the second half. The two that stood out to me the most... He had this one smooth drive where he drove baseline and, like, had this uh, spin move and, like, moved the ball in the air, almost like a shade type of move, (laughs) but with more strength uh, around Depot, who really really struggled. It was on the receiving end of some of these plays from Thunder players tonight, Uh, and that, that play really stood out to me there. I believe it was in the third quarter. But then he had this super strong move where he's down low battling Boogie. He's able to separate himself, create contact, separate himself, um, create a little space, and then goes up with one hand and is able to make the shot. Just really impressive stuff from Roby. He just brings consistency, and I love seeing him next to other versatile bigs like Muskie and Horford, which will lead me into one of my Twitter questions, which uh, we will get into here in a little bit. But I do love seeing him, not necessarily the true center of a lineup, but um, just kind of a positionless big in some of these lineups with another big like a Muskie or a Horford, like I mentioned. Um, So... Oh, I, I guess I do need to mention Hami. Um, arguably his best game, I thought, just because it was so balanced. Um, he, he drove to the rim still, but didn't settle for nearly as many pull-ups, kept the ball moving. He even kicked it out some when driving. He looked much more in control, and he even got praise from uh, Hollinger on the Athletic I saw. Um, I guess that was probably last week, and, and Hollinger re- retweeted it um, with, with him starting tonight. And he was 6-7 on Monday in Monday's game, 5-9 tonight. And he now has a career-best seven consecutive games in double figures. Um, before tonight, and I, I haven't looked and see if this has been updated, but I'm assuming it's still the same based off his stat line, um, Hami had the highest field goal percentage amongst Thunder players with regular minutes, which I think just goes to show you that. Uh, and regular minutes, I mean, I, I don't have a definition for that other than he's just you know getting regular playing time um, each and every night. And I think that just goes to show you that Hami is not selling for nearly as many three-point shots or mid-range jumpers. He is driving to the rim um, and, and is finishing. Uh, and he just looks stronger, more controlled. Jacob talked about his off ball or sorry, his his offhand, um, much more stronger with his left hand and, and then just finishing around the rim. Has been super impressive. Um, I went through Hami kind of fast there because I've gone a little long, but I've got to get to the man of the hour. The man of the night. Hashtag fear the mullet, Kenrick Williams. Kenny Hustle, Kenny Powers, whatever you wanna call him. He had quite the ball game tonight. Uh, I actually heard, somebody replied to me and, and I guess there's another name for his hairstyle other than Mullet, although it's very similar. Um, but, that's a relevant. 19 points, six rebounds, two assists, seven of eight from the field, three of three from three, a game high plus 24. I know plus minus, there's always a disclaimer, you know, it's not the best, uh, it's sometimes misleading stat understandable but tonight it was pretty spot on for Kenrick Williams who was just doing it all and I think that's what I love most about Kenrich is he he does everything that doesn't show up on the box score you know the Thunder have had players like that in the past between um Dre right um Nick Collison I mean even Steven Adams to an extent obviously all very different players um including Kenrich but they're always making the right play um you know he, he keeps a, a play alive um, there was multiple times tonight when you know you just it looked like a, a ball was going to be going out of bounds, or that the other team was going to get a rebound, and then here the Rockets were going to get a rebound. and here comes Kendrick Williams out of nowhere, keeps the play alive by either getting that rebound or saving the ball from going out of bounds. And it was just uh, it, it's really fun to watch. Um, his energy, I think, is contagious. Uh, he really um, takes that that lineup that he's in to a whole new level. Um, it, it would be kind of interesting with some of these these players out, um, especially, you know, Poku out, players of that nature. Once Shea is healthy, um, see like Shea, Tao, Williams at the three, Baisley at the four, Horford at the five, and just watch it. That could be a really fun lineup. And so uh, all that to say, <laughs> if you go back and listen to our, you know, last year we had our terrible takes about CP3 early on before the season started, how uh, we didn't want him playing with OKC.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
1: He and hopefully the thunder can trade them. And we had to eat our words at the early on this season because of how much we end up and still love CP three. Kind of a similar situation to a much lesser scale with Kendrick Williams, where we were all calling for him to to be cut, and uh, him and Isaiah Roby, and you know, we wanted uh, Frank Jackson. <laughs> we, he's making this need our words. He, he's been great, and uh, is a really fun, versatile, again, I keep using the word versatile, but a fun, versatile piece that you can really plug and play in a lot of different lineups, and I love seeing how Dignall is using him.
0: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything
2: According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply.
1: So I asked for Twitter questions and you guys delivered. As always, so let's jump into them really quick before we get out of here. Uh, at Thunderbeard had two for me. The the first one did it seem like the Thunder were doing a much better job staying down on pump fakes, especially in the first. That's a really good point, uh, Thunderbeard. I, I didn't mention. Didn't when I was talking about the defense earlier on, um, I talked about closing out on shooters. But you're right, they didn't. When they were closing out, they weren't overreacting. They weren't um, you know, biting um, on the shot, the, the first initial shot or the pump fake. They stayed down. Um, they were able to turn the defenders inside again to their their uh, shot blockers, their rim protectors, and uh, I think that's pretty spot on. You now, absolutely, I think they did do a much better job and definitely focused on that coming into tonight's game after Monday's game. Uh, Thunderbeard also asks, "Does Roby look like he could be a decent four one day?" Which is the Twitter question I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yes, absolutely. I think he uh, he definitely is more it fits more natural at the four. I think that's a really good position for him. Again, when you play him with another versatile big, um, Roby can space the four some. Um, and again, he's just been really impressive down low, has a really impressive strength for his size. And uh, But I do think he's more of a four than a five, especially at his height and what he's best at, the way he's even able to handle the ball, drive the ball some. Uh, I think you want him at the four compared to the five, but he absolutely can play some small ball five or some, some spot five um, like we've seen so far this season. Uh, let's see, Chessire Cat, uh, that's Silver on YouTube, uh, they asked, which players are you most impressed with? Has Hami really turned a corner? Okay, so he's, he or she has asked a couple different questions. Uh, which players am I most impressed with tonight? I mean, I talked about Kenrick Williams, um, I talked about Teo. continue to be super impressed with him. I am impressed with Hami, the more controlled Hami that we've seen so far this season. Um, so yes, I think he has turned a corner, now how much of a corner, right, um, if we can see the homie that we saw tonight um, and especially in that second unit, then that's a major corner. But if it, if he continues to kind of play like he has so far this season, he's a great spark plug off the bench, but I'm not so sure that he's a, you know, I, I don't know if he can be a six man per se. Like he, he kind of seems at times. So I definitely think that he's turned a corner. Shane Dort's injuries I'm not super concerned about. I'm really not. Although I hope I don't eat my words tomorrow uh, when the Dort, an injury analysis comes out, but uh, I really don't think it's anything too serious. I really think it is just precautionary. It's not worth risking these guys' health uh, long term or even you know longer this season than necessary. Do you think both Shea and Dort play on Friday? I I don't. I, I don't think both of them will. I could see maybe one of them playing on Friday, uh, but my guess is that they maybe even set the back to back out and they're just ready to go 100 next week. Uh, and they also. asked about Wanda Vision. Uh, is Wanda creating the pocket town and Wanda Vision? I, so I only watched the first two episodes. I got. I've got to catch up, especially before this Friday. Um, but I am a little more into Marvel than our friend Justin, uh, as he mentioned on the last podcast. So, I, I, I yes, I, I do kind of think so. There's definitely some of that going, uh, going, on there. And I know the directors um, have talked about how this will lead into the next phase of Marvel movies or the next upcoming movies, I guess, within this current phase. Um, I would not be surprised if we see Doctor Strange at some point, at some point this series. I'm really excited. Now, my, my guy, Jacob, co-host, <laughs> can you, I probably should, he said this sarcastically, so I probably should read it in the voice that I know he typed it in. Can you explain why the team wins when SGA sits and loses by 30 when he plays? I think SGA is the problem. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> just OKC okay, Chatter, you know that we are making the play-in tourney, right? Hey, you know, you never know. If uh, if Miami continues to tank, we can just use their pick and go in the play-in tourney. Just OKC okay, Chatter again. Kenny Hustle and Roby have been fantastic. Between them and Moose and Homie, how are we supposed to decide who to push at six-man of the year? Now, that is funny. Um, Thunder have some fun contenders. But all that being said, to take your, your question uh, a little more seriously... Who do I think has been the sixth man of the year so far for this OKC team? Which is, I think, it's a very tough question. I might have to ask the guys on the weekly podcast on Sunday night. Um, I would have to say homie at this point for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. OKC or o, OKK Cunningham—that's that's a pretty good name. Will the Heat be giving us a lottery pick again? They are really struggling. Just had a terrible game tonight against the Wizards. Although the Wizards <laughs> had, have had a couple better games now ever since that, that wild, um, that wild Brooklyn win. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to say no. I think, you know, Bam's going to continue to play well. Butler's going to get healthy. They're finally going to get their team together for an extended period. But there's no telling. This this season's so strange, and the Heat really have been struggling. Um, but I'm still willing to go no at this point, but, uh, but we'll see. That would be pretty awesome if they did. And OKC okay, so could somehow end up with two lottery picks. And then finally, Trey at Smooth Shea. How will George Hill being out for four weeks affect his trade value? Will this turn teams away? Um, honestly, not necessarily, so long as it truly is just an injury that the Thunder have disclosed and doesn't end up being more serious or doesn't lead to long-term complications. This is an injury that I know of, at least, that uh, that I've seen that that causes uh, long-term issues. I think he'll be just fine. It truly is just, I mean, think about it. If he's playing on that, kind of like Shea and Dort, like you don't want to risk it, especially with this season. Um, I I don't think they're going to, you know, if if it's later in the season, they're competing for, like, the fifth or fourth playoff spot or something, then, yeah, maybe George Hill plays through this. But um, like you mentioned, with his trade value, with everything else, um, I I think it was smart, too, to just let him do the minor procedure, get it healed up. I think he'll be just fine, and I think teams will absolutely still be interested. However, it is interesting that his time frame uh, of being out will will come up right against the very close to, I believe, the um, trade deadline. And then I lied. One more from our guy, Niner by nature, 88, always active on Twitter, always active on YouTube. We appreciate him. Um, this is more of a statement, but I agree. Mark is an incredible coach to win a blowout win with three uh, three to four of your best players out is saying something. And I agree, Niner, uh, especially seeing seeing uh, just the way the team played um, on the offensive end, the defensive end, the discipline. Um, some of the, you know, Mark had an incredible aftertime out call that he made there in the, I guess it was a, early second half, where Baisley goes and it looks like he's going to set a stagger screen, but then he ends up flashing to the basket. Horford hits him on the uh, on the roll to the to the rim, and Bais is able to finish. Just plays like that, and then just the systems he's put into place. So, um, I couldn't agree more. Super impressed with Mark Dana. Uh Love listening to him and his his, his insight um, to each question after the game and before the games. Uh, just seems like a really good guy, and, and hopefully a really good coach long-term for the Thunder team as they can continue to uh, age and mature and are competing for championships. So I think that's all I got, guys uh, and gals. (laughs) I keep doing that. Thank you all for tuning in to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. Again, quite the interesting yet quite the fun surprise tonight as the OKC Thunder defeat the Houston Rockets and split the series, the home series. Like I mentioned, it's kind of like a quote-unquote baseball series. They have another one of these coming up this weekend, but this time it is a true back back. Friday and Saturday night versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, who also, or I guess uh, Thunder have not been, but the Timberwolves have been struggling as of late. Really can't really get it going. However, uh, it is expected that Cat will probably be back at some point, so it should be an interesting, at least one game, if he's back for one game. Hopefully we will be back for both, and you can see how this team um, stacks up against Cat and D'Lo and so many uh, other young talented players on that team. So stay tuned. Dan Chessick will have you all covered for both of those games and until next time shut up
0: nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in america and the more you do with 5g the more building it right matters the more your network matters the more verizon engineers going the extra mile matters it's us pushing us it's verizon versus verizon 5g built right from america's most reliable network Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.